G'day friends, welcome back. We're doing two rounds of AFLW today, round seven and round eight. I'm doing the Saints and the Giants from round seven, Suns and Lions from round seven, and then from round eight, Fremantle and St Kilda, and then the Giants and the Blues. Um, had last week off for obvious reasons if you sort of, you know, follow what happens in uh, in the news, I guess, <laughs> I suppose. Um, don't need to go and do it too much, but I took the week off last week. So two, uh, two rounds to get through, four games to get through. We're heating up now. We're getting towards the finals. Um, just when we think we know what's going on, just when we think, oh, you know, it's, it's looking like Melbourne or Adelaide. Brisbane come up with an upset. Victory over the Crows. Um, it's all a bit of a blur. I can't remember if that was this week or last week. <laughs> I think it was this week just gone. I can't remember. Um, I'm not talking about that game, but it was pretty exciting. Um, no, it was this week because it was one of the three um, brilliant games on Saturday afternoon. We had that one. We had the one that I reviewed, and then we had the draw as well. So really exciting Saturday afternoon just gone um yeah heading up towards finals and um, before i get into the games there's been a little bit of a uh an epidemic of uh high tackles and sling tackles and rough conduct conduct stuff a lot of players getting suspended in the aflw they they probably need to start reining it in um it seems like every week there's about half a dozen who are getting fined or suspended or sanctioned in some way or being looked at it seems like there's loads and loads um and that it's getting more and more every week so hopefully that can be reined in as we head into finals because the last thing that we want is players being suspended or concussed um and missing finals games because of that so just wanted to um point that out as something that i've noticed is becoming a bit of a trend in the last couple of weeks oh, oh, oh excuse me Alrighty, let's get into it Doki round seven first. Let's talk about the Saints and the Giants. St Kilda getting their fourth win in a row. Very, very happy. Um, I'll get to the disappointment of this week soon. Don't worry about that. But I was very happy last week. Um, this was a weird old game. It was a bit of a strange game. I felt like the Giants dominated most of the game, um, but they just didn't make the most of the opportunities that they created for themselves. Like St Kilda had 13 more inside 50s, which is a pretty you know big number. But the Giants had, just for example, 15 more marks, 35 more tackles. They had a bunch more possessions. So, you know, I felt like they probably played a little bit better than St. Kilda did. Um, but St. Kilda were just, you know, more efficient and made more of the opportunities that they created for themselves. So, 
you know, can't ask much more than that. St Kilda are now becoming very competitive at RACA Park. I feel like if that game had been played in Sydney, the Giants would have beaten us pretty convincingly, but we're, we're getting very good at playing at Moorabbin. Um, I think it will haunt us come the end of the year, that last quarter against Port Adelaide, especially if we can if we can beat Carlton in two weeks' time um, and end the year on five wins. That won't be enough to make finals. You'll need six wins to make finals. Um, but knowing that we could have had those six wins, um, that'll burn because we really should have won that game at home as well. But that'll um, press the girls on into next year. Giants-wise, I thought Parker was excellent. Um, she's now injured and is going to miss the remainder of the season, which is a shame because she's a superstar player, but she was very good. And Zali Goldsworthy was very good in this game as well. Now, it, you may have caught that I'm talking about the Giants game from round eight as well. So I'm going to have plenty to say about Zali Goldsworthy there as well. But I thought... You know, as an 18-year-old, the stuff that she's doing, like if, if she doesn't win the Rising Star, they've probably made a mistake, I'd say. She's a superstar, and she was excellent in this game against St Kilda as well. Um, Saints-wise, um, in the second half of the year, Tiana Smith has been our best player comfortably. It was Lambert in the first five games, and then it seems to have just, like, completely shifted to it now being Smith comfortably, who's our best player. She's an absolute tackling machine, She's fucking jacked. She's kicked a goal each of the last three games. Um, that's including the game that you know was after this one, <laughs> I should say. Um, she's racking up the disposals, the contested possessions. She's killing it, and you know she's only played the. She hasn't even played twenty games yet, so um, she's becoming a superstar right in front of our eyes. And I thought she was really good in this game as well. Wardlaw was excellent. Um, Wardlaw, I feel like her form is sort of up and down a little bit. Her, her When she plays really well, she's fucking dominant. She's like an unbelievably powerful and skillful player when she's on. And, and when she doesn't have a good day, it sort of shows as well. So if she can sort of bridge the gap between her best and her worst, um, I think that's sort of the next step that she could make. Um, Exxon has, has had a really, really good run as well. She was excellent in this game. And Ash Richards as well was probably the best game of her career off the top of my head. She kicked a couple of goals, um, was applying a lot of pressure in the forward half, and I thought she did that really, really well. Um, and what I really liked about the Saints win here is what we're able to do with Hannah Priest only having four disposals for the game. Really, really uncharacteristically quiet um, by the skipper, um, but the fact that we were still able to kick seven goals, still able to win the game against a you know a competitive opposition um i think that was a great sign that we're able to do that with her having little to no impact on the game there's a similar story uh for the Fremantle game for this weekend just gone except we weren't able to win she was very quiet once again but we weren't able to get the chocolate so hopefully she can find a little bit of form in the last fortnight of the season um but yeah super super happy with this game and Oh, excuse me. Um, really happy with our form at Moorabbin. I think we've been... Uh, like, we look like a different side at home than we do elsewhere. And, like, not just by a little bit. Like, to, to feel so confident 
playing at Moorabbin at RSCA Park in front of that home crowd, we can really start to use that to our advantage as, as we become a better team. Because once you you know feel like you're going to win at home basically every week, it's just about getting more familiar with traveling. The Fremantle game is the first time that the girls have left Victoria this year. So it's the first time they've had to get on a plane. So, you know, it was, um, you know, uncharted territory for them this year. So, you know, it's, so you can sort of hope that once they become more comfortable and familiar with traveling, that, you know, a form away from home will then improve and it will become an extremely formidable side, which is very exciting. Um, the other game from round seven, Suns and Lions. I wasn't quite sure what game to look at, and I realized that, um, I hadn't had a look at a Gold Coast game yet this year, I'm pretty sure. Um, so I wanted to have a look at this one. I wanted to see how Charlie Rowbottom was going, one of the young superstars. Um, just the one of the real, like, prototype, like, next generation super, like, you know, for, for 10 plus years is going to be a monster of the AFLW. Like, number one draft pick from what, two years ago now. Um, James Rowbottom's sister, um, just an absolute monster. So I want to see where she was that and the, the battle between her and Svark in this game was so cool to watch. It was excellent. Um, something that I noticed though about Brisbane specifically watching this game is how professional and well-drilled an outfit they are. You just watch the way that they play. And this is true about Melbourne and, and Adelaide as well, but I watched this game. <laughs> just the way that they play, they don't like, you know, I shouldn't say that. They make mistakes while playing. Everyone makes mistakes. They don't make silly mistakes. And say when they do make a mistake, they they move on immediately and rectify it, yeah? And when, you know, say the opposition makes a mistake or the opposition just lapses for a moment that they've got a lot of experienced heads in this team Brisbane who just know the exact right thing to do to capitalize on the moment of weakness that the opposition has had there was just countless countless moments in this game where I went gee that was the exact right thing to do in that moment and I don't know many teams who would have players with that level of understanding and game sense in that moment. It happened a bunch of times. I was just really impressed with how they played as a team. And, and that plays into... So a bunch of the Brisbane girls, in fact, I'm sure they all did, um, they went to the men's grand final, right, to support the, the Brisbane boys. And there was two of them who, while they were down, they something about them staying up too late, not getting enough sleep... It was something like that, right? Not, you know, because you, it was in the middle of their season, right? So not using that time off responsibly in one way or another, right? That's not, you know, whatever the club has deemed inappropriate is is their business, right? Um, but there was two players. Jade Ellinger was one, and, I, and I'm not sure who the other one was. But just the maturity as a club, because they, they sat the two players out for a, a week or two, right? Just the maturity of the club to go, no, no, you, you guys, you know, screwed up. You might be in our best side, but you made a mistake. 
And now you're gonna now you're gonna sit out for a bit. Yeah. And I just I think that's fucking awesome that Starsevich is is setting those standards. And and you know, that that's oh, it's to still be so competitive and have such high standards and, you know, be such a dangerous club after and there's been a number of clubs decimated by the expansion teams right just losing players left right and center and, and brisbane have been been hit as hard as anyone Ugh, if not harder um so for the club to be where it's at despite of that is really impressive so you know well done craig Starsevich on the way that he's running that club fun fact about him he is not um Brandon Starsevich's father, he's his uncle. Everyone, including me, <laughs> thought that he was his dad. But he's, he, every time Brandon, like, you know, they're mentioned in the same breath, he has to be like, nope, that's <laughs> my uncle. So that's sort of a little bit funny. I was certain that it was his dad this whole time. So there you fucking go. Um... Despite, you know, being a six-goal margin in the end, I thought this game was actually pretty good to watch. The Spark and Robottom matchup was, like, you couldn't take your eyes off it. The thing that I learned about Charlie Robottom from this encounter, right, and I thought she took the chocolates um, from this, you know, being tagged, I thought she worked through the tag and was still one of the more influential players for the Suns. Um, Ruby Spark is a fucking tough player. She's jacked as hell. She's very strong, powerful player. If she tackles you, you're getting tackled, right? And she was able to tackle Charlie Robottom on a number of occasions. But my God, was it fucking difficult for her. I've never, I don't think I've seen an AFLW player who goes to ground as difficultly as Charlie Robottom does. It is very, very hard to tackle her, and, and for someone so young to have so much strength, she is so strong. She's bigger than most of the other girls that she's running with um, in the, through there in the midfield. So when she gets tackled, she just doesn't lose her feet, which is such an underrated asset. Like when you're being tackled, to not go to ground, you know, to keep your balance it makes you so much more dangerous than just being like good skills wise or being tough or whatever to, to not go to ground easily when tackled huge weapon that Charlie has at her disposal. So that was what impressed me most about um, her game. Um, another Suns player that really impressed me was, was Viv Saad. So she is a key defender uh, for the Suns and she's got fucking ice in her veins. <laughs> she, was just like, she was like the Terminator. The way that she was playing, just just intercept marking everything, just not phased by one fucking thing going on around her. She'd just be like, oh, here comes the ball. I'm just going to stand here. I'm in the exact right position every single fucking time and no one else has any idea what's going on. I'm just, oh, here's the ball. Boop, off I go. I'll kick it to you. I'll, I'll, I'll go for a run. She was just like systematically totally in control of that back line. Especially, especially I think it was in the second half. She really, like every time she'd like take an intercept possession or really do anything, the commentators would be like, oh my God. Like, it's like everything was moving in slow motion around her. She'd just 
read the play better than everybody else, and it just looks sick. I thought it was such a good performance from her. So I just wanted to um, sort of shine some light on that because it was a really, really good defensive performance from her. Um, Brisbane-wise, I thought Dawes was electric early when they really sort of um, got control of the game early on. It was all her. She's a little live wire running around kicking goals and like she's just electric, I thought. So I really enjoyed watching her game. The Hodder mark right at the death, only a few seconds to go. Courtney Hodder takes the best mark ever taken in the AFLW and it doesn't even get mark of the round. And Craig Stasevich wasn't happy. <laughs> he wasn't happy about it at all. Um, and I'm with him. That That is a fucking joke. Like, that was... It, it was like a Nick Rewalt, Jonathan Brown, sort of like back of the flight, just, just courageous, not worrying about your own safety one bit, just trying... And, like, the game was won. She didn't need to do that, but that's just how she plays. She's courageous and competitive, and she took a courageous and competitive mark, um, and it was fucking epic. It was epic. And it deserves to be bloody mark of the century. <laughs> I tell you, she didn't even get mark of the week. So that's one of the biggest travesties to to before the AFLW. That and the fact that Jazz Garner, I think, has never gotten a single best and fairest vote in her career, despite probably being the best player in the AFLW for the last couple of years. So those two things are just absolute utter travesties let's move on to round eight now i've just dropped my thing on the floor what's going on here where's me go? this is good for people to listen to right me oh there it is oh, okay i'm back oh don't mind me i'm back okay round eight this is where st kilda sort of you know fell in a little bit of a hole there when they had to fly over to perth why the fuck do we have to do that why can't we just stay at rsea park for every game of the year, just to help us out a little bit. That'd be good. Um, because, yeah, they flew over to over to Perth and they looked tired. They looked really tired. They looked lethargic early on, especially in the Fremantle game. Um, and they just got absolutely thwacked early on. Like, just the pressure from Fremantle was you know, as as high as it could have been. They were putting loads of pressure on the Saints and St Kilda just crumbled underneath it. There was nothing they could do. We couldn't get our hands on the ball. Like, we only ended up with 177 touches for the game. For the game. We just couldn't get anywhere near it. And we weren't even, like you know, like we did okay hitouts-wise. But we just couldn't get hands on it. We couldn't get it back off them once they got it. And as soon as we would get it, we just wouldn't be able to sort of chain anything together. It was a really dour performance, I thought. Just like it's been a big month, four wins in a row. Um, and then traveling, we're still a young team. I'm not going to criticize too heavily. It's okay to travel and be beaten by a good team. That's okay. Um, it, it's, oh, it, it's a, it is a little bit concerning the way that we were beaten um, and just, you know, the, the lack of competitiveness that we had. Um, but it's not the end of the world. 
is what I'll say. Um, I thought, again, Smith was our best player comfortably. I thought in this game she was excellent. Patrikios did very, very well as the game went on. She got better in the second half and, and really started to sort of help us try to start to play our game. Um, she did some really clever things as well. She's a very, very clever and classy footballer is Georgia. Um, Grace Kelly played a brilliant game. I've thoroughly enjoyed her season. It's been so good having her back from injury. She's been fantastic down back, I've thought. Um, Nick Stevens played probably her best game for the year. I thought she was asked to play in a number of different positions. Um, she's, she's been getting better and better. Dal Santo has said that he's been wrapped with how she's played her role throughout the year, so he's seeing things that I'm not seeing. Obviously, she's been asked to play this sort of pressure forward role, um, so she doesn't get heaps of the ball. So you know you don't see her on the stat sheet very much. You don't see her on TV very much, like on screen, because you know she's not getting the ball. But if he's happy with how she's going, I'm happy with how she's going. I feel like in the last two weeks of the year, it might not be the worst idea to just have her go back for a bit. That's where she, you know, played all her early football as a defender. Only when she came to St Kilda was she rebranded as a forward. Um, and I, I would almost think about rotating her and BJ. BJ's had a very, very quiet season. Not a lot of impact at all from Jacobson. So it might not be the worst idea to maybe, you know, send Jacobson into a sort of half-forward role and put Stevens, you know, back at half-back. I don't know, doing something like that. Something that Dal isn't afraid to do, which I really like about him. When things aren't going well in-game, he changes things up. Like, you know, throwing Stevens into the back line in this game. Kelly went into the middle for a little bit. So I, I like that he's not afraid to just go like, yeah, we're getting fucked up. Let's just try this and see what happens. I think that that is a really good attribute to have as a coach. I've been much more pleased with his coaching in the last few weeks than I was in the first three weeks of the year. I'll say that. Um, he is definitely, you know, getting this team to a place where he wants it to be. You can see the improvement. So, you know, it can't be too disappointed with that. Um, and Nolder as well, I wanted to mention, is starting to play some very competitive football every single week. The first couple of weeks of the year, she was getting pushed around a lot. She, you know, was sort of struggling in that ruck role. Um, she had a couple of weeks off when McKinnon came back. Now McKinnon's back out of the side and Nola is back in. And she's been quite good. She's getting loads of hit out. She's competitive around the ground. Um, she isn't, I wouldn't say that she's a dominant ruck, um, but she's getting a lot better. So I think that's um, really fantastic. For her, I don't know what's going on with McKinnon, whether she's just being managed. I don't think she's injured. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I would like to have McKinnon back in the side. Um, but if she isn't, you know, if she's still, you know, because she missed a lot of her pre-season and, and all that. So that's why she's sort of being managed. That's cool. I don't know. Form and look, she wasn't lighting the world on fire when she came back in either. So form-wise, you probably actually almost take Nolder ahead of her at the moment. Maybe that's something we need to address in the off-season. Is maybe a little bit more ruck depth. I watched Bree Moody for the Blues um, on the weekend just rip a game apart. Like I'd love a player like Bree Moody, like a, a young, enormously talented ruck like her. It'd be a great addition to the team. 
Um, but, you know, Nola's doing... She's been asked to do a lot this year, and I think she's doing really, really well. Um, Janome Anderson kicked the first goal of uh, what I'm sure will be a long and successful career. Um, really well done to her. Really nice and special for her to do it in 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 in, in indigenous round as well. So that was a really nice moment on what was not a very exciting day for Saints fans, but it was nice for her to get that late goal and it's a reward for a lot of hard work that she's been doing. Um, Fremantle-wise, you know, you could list off a bunch of their players that just absolutely ripped us to shreds. I thought Stanett was fantastic. She often is. Um, Gabby O'Sullivan was pretty dominant. She kicked a couple of goals. Hayley Miller, their skipper, also hit the scoreboard. A couple of goals for her as well. So, yeah, that they they dismantled us with just the unreal pressure. The pressure was what was so alarming. Just every single time we got the ball, just not having any chance to weigh up any options and make good decisions. And even when they would, you know, oh, here's something that's on. Let me kick this ball. Nah, it's getting smothered or it's get, you're getting tackled while you're kicking it. It was it would have been a really hard game to play. So credit to Fremantle, you know, for being able to apply so much pressure and make, you know, themselves such a difficult opposition to play. So well done to Freo. Okay, let's talk about this Giants and Blues game because this was one of the best games of the year, right? Holy shit. Zali Goldsworthy. Five goals, 24 disposals. She's 18 years of age. What the hell is going on here? <laughs> That's not right. That's not what's supposed to happen. You're meant to be like 24 and then you can start playing like that. Oh my God. How good is she going to be if that's how she's playing in her first... I assume it's, it might be her first or second season. She's only 18. It has to be her first season. It has to be. Um, she was fucking ridiculous. She was literally the difference. So the Giants won this game by two points, right? She was the difference. Like five of the Giants' eight goals off of her boot. Three in the last quarter... Um, I thought Carlton were the better team. I thought Carlton were, not not for the entire game, but I thought for more of the game, Carlton was the better team. But sometimes there's not much you can do about a player on the other team going absolutely fucking berserk. Like, you know, what what do poor Geelong do about Dustin Martin going berserk in the 2020 grand final? Like that sort of thing. Like you just can't stop that. Like it doesn't. Sometimes it doesn't matter if you've been the better team. Sometimes the other team is going to have a player who kicks five goals and fucks you up. That's what happened here. Uh, it was amazing to see her do this. It was amazing. Um, she has to win the Rising Star now. She has to. She, she is the best young player in the competition right now. She just is. So the Rising Star has to go to her. She's playing fucking freaky football. Really, like, she she was probably the front runner a couple of weeks ago. Now she's had a, a very good game against St Kilda and a fucking monstrous game against the Blues. So she's definitely the front runner now. Very frightening performance. Um, and and she was probably the only player for the Giants who I would say did a really good job. They didn't. They did this without Elise Parker, which is great um, to get a win like this without your skipper and a very important player. Um, 
they don't want to become too reliant, however, on, you know, th- their 18-year-old superstar winning them games all the time. It's not a um, not something that will be sustainable, I wouldn't think. But nonetheless, still a very good victory. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought Carlton were the better team for more of the game, honestly. So this is unfortunate for them because now they probably miss finals. Um, they win this game, they're in the eight. Um, I thought, as I mentioned before, I thought Bree Moody was outstanding. She's a brilliant player. And I thought Abby McKay had a really excellent game as well for Carlton. Um, yeah, so now I've got Essendon and St Kilda to come, Carlton. Um, Essendon are playing scintillating football. I can't see Carlton beating them. They probably beat St Kilda, probably. Um, depends, you know, it is at RSCA. Oh, no, it's not. This one isn't. I think we play them at Icon Park. Yeah, they probably beat us. <laughs> yeah, so they, they probably win that one. They, they'll they need to win both to play finals. So they can, but now it's just that little bit more difficult for them, um, which is a shame. That it, It's a shame because I think, I think it was last year, the Blues really struggled. They're playing much, much better football than they were last year, um, but it looks like now they're probably going to just miss out on finals. Um, yeah, with Essendon and St Kilda to come, a couple of uh, tough matchups, especially Essendon, who are playing very, very well at the moment. Alrighty, that will do for this one, guys. Two rounds of footy smashed out right there. Uh, tune in. Well, don't tune in. It's not a radio station, but um, be aware tomorrow. I'll be I'll be doing my um, review of the men's trade period. Now that all the dust has settled there, still got a few more notes to do. Fucking loads of notes on all of that shit. God, there's so many bloody draft picks and shit to go through. I don't know how Cal Toomey and all those guys do it. There's so much to fucking have in your head. Anyway, um, <laughs> yes, uh, as I said at the start, the AFLW season is now heating up towards finals and it's going to be a very exciting Final series, as I mentioned, Brisbane looking outstanding along with Melbourne and Adelaide, but now Adelaide aren't even on top of the ladder anymore. They were meant to be unbeatable. Now they've been beatle, beat, beatabled. They've been beaten. <laughs> they've been beaten. Sounds like I've been drinking. I haven't, I promise. <laughs> Alrighty. Thanks very much for listening, guys. Remember to like and subscribe to the podcast. Speaking of podcast, um, Ruby Slicer and which one is it, Jess or Sarah? Sarah Hosking had been doing their Tagged podcast, which is just more really good quality AFLW content. I've been enjoying it a lot. They're very funny ladies. Um, Some funny anecdotes in there. Um, They don't talk heaps about AFLW itself, which is something I would like them to do a little bit more just to help sort of grow people's knowledge, including my own. Um, But it is a very, very enjoyable podcast. They are very, very funny. There's some bits that I've laughed out loud at. So if you're not on that and you like some AFLW stuff, get on that um, and you will enjoy it, I promise. Yes, as I said, thank you for listening. Remember to like and subscribe. Remember to comment and review. Tell your friends and I will catch you next time. Bye. Bye.